Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, November 21st, 2022. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. The game week has arrived. Five days away, the showdown, Ohio State against Michigan in the horseshoe. Can't wait. I know all of you cannot wait. Buckeyes favored by seven and a half. ESPN's football power index gives the Buckeyes about a 72% chance of winning for whatever that's worth. Welcome to the show. I am Dave Biddle and uh, a lot to get into. Bucknut subscribers submitted questions. I'm going to answer 14 of them in all. So, a bunch to get into. Let's start right at the top. Dave, what are you more confident in? A running game or a run defense against that team up north? It comes from OSU Fan 321. It's a good question. I would say because of Ohio State's health at running back, and we have a lot of questions about that, I'll say I'm a little bit more confident in Ohio State's ability to stop the run. Uh, Blake Corum's banged up. I'm sure he'll play. It's another thing we're going to get to later. We have questions about that. Um, Donovan Edwards, we'll see about him. Uh, both teams very banged up at running back, but, um, I'll say I'm more confident in Ohio state's ability to stop the run. Although, um, and Ohio state has struggled, um, especially lately running the ball. Now, Dallin Hayden didn't struggle this last game, but, um, since the break, Ohio state has really struggled, um, to run the ball other than against Indiana. So, um, I'll say I'm more confident in Jim Knowles and his defense, their ability to, to contain Michigan's running game. Michigan's going to get some their share of yards on the ground if Quorum's effective. I, there's no way he's going to be 100%, so we'll see about that. Okay. Another question here. This is also from – no, this is from TOSU1981. TOSU1981. It's a long one. A healthy Dallin Hayden certainly appears to be better than a banged-up Mayan or Travion Henderson. Based on the last couple of games, he does not believe the staff will start Hayden, okay? Besides health, what does Hayden give us that Mayan and Henderson don't? Well, I mean, Hayden does bring quickness. He reminds me a lot of Michael Wiley, but I still think, uh, you know, a healthy Travion Henderson brings that. So I'm not going to sit here and say Dallin Hayden's better than a healthy Travion Henderson, but uh, what you're kind of getting at is a very healthy Dallin Hayden is more effective than, you know, Travion Henderson, who his foot injury continues to linger, and linger's not even a strong enough word, and we'll see about Mayan. But, um, yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, even you said besides health, that is the biggest thing he gives them. But he does give them quickness. Um, he just has that darting running style. Again, he reminds me a lot of Michael Wiley. He can make you miss. He's quick. He's fast. But also, 
you know, runs bigger than his size. Tough guy, listed at 195 pounds, 5'10", 195, but they, he says he's, he's closer to 200. So, um, And then a, another question from TOSU1981. Would I start Hayden, and when do I think Hayden will enter the game? I don't know if I would start him. It just depends on the health of, of Mayan and Travion, especially Mayan. You know, we had Mayan's mom on the podcast last week. She said the good news is nothing's broken. We'll see. She says we'll see how his rehab goes. So um, I think if Mayan is relatively healthy, I'm sure he's not nearly 100%. I'd probably start Mayan. Um, Travion just doesn't, doesn't look right. I can't imagine that's going to get healed in a week. Maybe I would start Hayden. When's he going to enter the game? I'm sure we're going to see him early. If he doesn't start, we'll see him in the first quarter. Dallin Hayden will play a big role in this game. Okay, one more from TOSU1981. He actually, uh, he or she, I should say, actually submitted a bunch of questions. Well, I'm getting to three of the, the like, 10 that they submitted. Um, it's a pretty long one. Basically, I'll paraphrase. Stroud was spreading the ball around the field, he says, early in the year. Lately, it seems like he's focusing just on Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., the question is, is that because Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in college football or are other guys not getting open? What's the deal with that? Well, I think it's a combination of factors. I think he's maybe lost some faith in some of the guys who are not catching the ball well. Julian Fleming has struggled with drops. And even sometimes when it's not drops, you know, contested balls, he's really struggled with. Um, but Emeka Ibuka is coming off a big game. So, um, you know, I think it's a multitude of factors. Obviously, he's very comfortable throwing to the best wide receiver in college football. But, you know, Kate Stover became the first Ohio State tight end to go over 30 receptions since Ben Hartsock in 2003. So it took 19 years for that to happen. It finally did um, a couple days ago. So, I mean, he spread the ball around relatively well. But I hear what you're saying. He has focused more on Marvin. Um, I'm sure there are going to be multiple this week, though. Okay, next question. This comes from G.A. Buckgrad. How focused does Day think his guys are? It's kind of clear we have had focus issues since the off week. Then he adds, we have this game, though. So kind of like starts off pessimistic and then goes very optimistic. So how focused does Day think his guys are? And then he mentions it's clear that they have uh, had a lack of focus since the bye week. You can throw that out this week. I bet you they're laser focused. In fact, I think that's a big reason they played like they did against Maryland. And you can say maybe that's a big reason Michigan played like they did, um, you know, against Illinois. Um, looking ahead to the game. They're humans. We said all week, media and fans can look ahead, but the players and coaches can't. Easier said than done, though, right? I mean, everybody's going to be looking ahead to the game. So I have no doubt that they're going to be laser-focused for this game. But you're right. I mean, they they have seemed that they've had some, some focus issues. But Coach Day's all talked all year about, you know, competitive stamina. And they haven't shown that that much since the bye week. But I'm confident in this game this week. I'm confident. I'm not as confident – quite as confident as I was in the offseason. I thought Michigan was going to take a big step back defensively, but I'm still very confident. Number five here. With Blake Corm injured, the only way I see Michigan winning the game, this is from Gamroth79, by the way, Gamroth79. With Corm injured, the only way I see Michigan winning this game is if we line our cornerbacks 10 yards downfield like we did against Maryland. Then J.J. might be able to complete a bunch of the only types of passes he can complete with any regularity. Should we trust Jim Knowles to recognize this? Absolutely. I don't know. That was so Jim un-Jim Knowles-like against Maryland. He likes to play press coverage. They know that McCarthy struggles the ball to throw the ball down the field. I, there's no way we're going to see what we saw against Maryland. I don't know if they just didn't want to show much on film or what was going on against Maryland, but that was like a flashback to the last couple of years, wasn't it? Seeing the DBs play like uh, 
10 yards off the line of scrimmage on like third and seven. And Tonga Violo was like, okay, thank you. Boom. Easy first down on the, uh, the quick out. So, but no, I think this week they are going to be playing press coverage. They're going to make JJ McCarthy throw the ball down the field, something he has not shown the ability to do this year. Actually had a good deep ball, deep ball this past week, but um, Andrell Anthony let it go right through his hands. But overall, McCarthy's really struggled to throw the deep ball this year. So yeah, I think, you can trust Knowles to recognize this. This goes into the next question. This next question is from the Grim Reapers, plural. The Grim Reapers, plural. Will we play our DBs 15 to 10 to 15 yards off Michigan's wide receivers when it's third and four or fourth and four? Exaggerating a little bit with the 15 yards off the line of scrimmage, but I hear you. Yeah, but I think I just answered that. I answered your question, Grim Reapers. Um, I, I do think. Ohio State's going to play man press most of the time and make McCarthy try and beat them deep, which he has not been able to do this year. And against much, much, much uh, lesser talent than what Ohio State's going to throw at them. I know people are down on the scheme that, that Jim Knowles had this past week. First of all, I think we got to give Tunga Vailoa some credit. He played great. Second of all, that Jim Knowles, I think that was an aberration. Or maybe he was just trying to set up Michigan. I, Michigan's too smart for that. They don't think that – Oh, because Ohio said what they did all year, then what they did against uh, Maryland is what they're going to do against us. So I, I don't know what happened there, but I'm confident that that was – uh, Jim Knowles, that's just not his style. So I think we're going to see some stack in the box, man press. Don't mix things up. They can't just do the same thing every play. But, yeah, for the most part, you're not going to see soft coverage this week because they know Michigan's passing game is all dink and dunk to the tight ends, running backs, and their wide receivers. I think Michigan actually has some pretty good wide receivers. Like nobody that's a superstar, but they've got some, you know, a decent collection of wide receivers. They're not terrible. Next one. Speaking of wide receivers, back to Ohio State, though. This is from Buckeye Drew. Why doesn't Ballard or any of the four highly recruited true freshmen get any meaningful snaps for the Buckeyes? He adds, we have no consistent deep threat, and it's safe to say the only thing Fleming brings to the table is that he is serviceable. Yeah, I mean... Here's the thing. I mean, I we don't get to see practice. I, I guarantee if Ballard was tearing it up in practice, we'd see him more. You know, Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, I just trust what they see. And, you know, I have no doubt that, especially with Fleming struggling the way he is, at least he's the number three wide receiver and getting a lot of playing time. But if Jackson Smith and Jigba was healthy, and by the way, no one's asked about this. We're not going to see Jackson this week. And, and Ohio State's not going to say that. Why would they? You might as well make Michigan game plan for them, although I'm sure Michigan knows he's not going to play. I just hope he can come back for the playoffs. Ohio State gets there. I doubt that would even happen. But my point is, we wouldn't even be seeing Julian Fleming that much if um, JSM was healthy. I have no doubt that Hartline, despite what he said in the preseason, would have been going with JSN, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Emeka Buka for as many plays as possible when the, you know, in big games. So yeah, right now, I mean, you know, I think they are confident in, in two wide receivers right now, extremely confident in Marvin Harrison, um, confident in a Mecca. And I think they've lost a little bit of confidence in Julian Fleming, but listen, he still is, is the number three receiver. I don't think they've lost all confidence in him. Um, it's time for him to step up this week. He's shown flashes this year. He looked good early in the season um, after he was able to come back. Uh, was banged up in camp, was able to come back and then, you know, look good. Um, so we'll see. He's got to step up. He's got to clean up the drops. Can't have drops this week. But, uh, you know, to answer your question, and the four true freshmen, again, if they were balling out, we'd see them. They played Garrett Wilson when he was a true freshman. It took Chris Olave till the end of the year, but they created play Chris Olave as a true freshman. So, you know, um, 
they didn't play Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka till the Rose Bowl last year, which you know, but that's again that's that's how they roll. They play their top three wide receivers, and that's what we're seeing this year. Fleming's just kind of fortunate to, for lack of a better word, that he is number three and not number four because he wouldn't be out there very much if he was number four. No pun intended with his uniform number. All right. All right. This is something I, I, I touched on this in the postgame podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to ask coach day about this tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure this is on him. This is from King Kong 24. He wants to know, are these delay of game penalties, a Ryan day issue or a CJ Stroud slash offense issue? It seems like it's a Ryan day thing after watching CJ's reaction to the blocked extra point. Thanks again, Dave. Well, thanks for all the questions. Thanks for everybody's questions. And I got more to get to. That's just page one. Um, to answer your question, I think it's it's on Coach Day. And I bet he would admit that. One of the many things I love about him when he screws up, he he admits it. He's he's not he's not an ego driven guy. Um, love that about him. So I imagine he will say that's on that's on me. We see it all the time. Coaches are the ones to call timeout. You see it all the time. College, NFL coaches running down there. They see, you know. But it happened twice this past game. They've got to get that cleaned up. I think that that's on Coach Day. CJ doesn't have as much freedom out there as we think. And, and I agree. CJ looks frustrated like, you know, you w- wait not to get the play in on time and then wait not to call timeout. And then we have to go back instead of going for two. And then we get the kick blocked and four-point swing right there instead of getting a two-point conversion, assuming the Buckeyes would have got it. Um, Maryland goes the other way for their own two points. So four-point swing there could have been big. And against a, a really good team, that, that could have been, a, you know, that lost the game for you. So, got it. And, and it wasn't just a one-game thing. It happened twice this past game, which looked terrible, but it's, like, been a consistent theme. That's the big – if it hadn't happened all year and happened twice in the Maryland game, we'd be sitting here saying, okay, aberration. But it's happened a lot, and they've got to get that cleaned up. You can't have stupid stuff like that happen where everybody in the stadium, everybody watching it at, at home is like, time out, call time out to everybody, and then no one on the sideline notices it. And if it's not on Coach Day, which ultimately it is because he's the head coach, it's on whoever he has assigned in the press box or on the sideline to tell him to call timeout. But we see it all the time, the head coaches running down there calling timeout at the last second, even sometimes where it looks like it's going to be delay of game, but they get it called at the last second. Twice they fell asleep at the wheel. Can't do that this week. All right, another one here. This is from Jesse76. Hey, Dave, thanks for all you do. You're welcome. Thanks for all of your questions, and thanks for all you guys tuning in. He asked, do you think Ryan Day has any crazy plays he will use, like using a tackle to catch a short touchdown pass or a throwback to CJ? No, I don't think he's going to use any crazy trick plays, but I, I guarantee you he's been saving a lot of plays. He's been trying to set up Michigan with certain tendencies that he's – sometimes when it looks like he's banging his head against the wall and we're like, what is he doing? I still think he's been setting up Michigan. We'll see. I have no doubt Michigan's been doing some things to try and set up Ohio State. This is one of the fun parts of the chess match that is the game. But I tend to think Day's been holding a lot of stuff back. We'll see, won't we? We'll see. But, uh, no, I don't think he's going to do any crazy trick plays, but I think we're going to see some new concepts, and maybe even not new concepts, but things that they've done that they've done a certain way that they make certain adjustments to that Michigan hasn't seen this year. And we'll see some new concepts as well. Um I mean, it could be even little stuff like, man, every time Ohio State runs this certain formation, they run this play to the right. Well, this time they're going to run this formation, and they're not going to run that play, and they're going to go to the left and do something different. You know, it could be just stuff like that. It's just the chess match is going to be just – I can't wait, wait – I already can't wait to rewatch the game because I know during the game, I'm sure a lot of you are – it's going to be like a ball of nerves during the game, and then 
Buckeyes win and rewatching the game is when it's going to be fun. But, uh, but yeah, I have no doubt there's going to be on both sides some things that neither team has seen on film, not just offensively, but defensively as well. So we'll see. I'm confident Ohio State's going to win this game, though. All right, another long one here. This is from Foxar 2001. I'm going to paraphrase here. Basically saying he doesn't think McCarthy can throw it long, but he has to wonder if Harbaugh's been holding that back to surprise Ohio State. Can McCarthy actually complete some long passes and they haven't shown it? Or is this something we should worry about? Uh, or is this nothing we should worry about? I've They've tried it this year. I mean, he is he's inaccurate with the deep ball. There's just no getting around it. And even the intermediate passes he struggles with, in my opinion, he can throw well rolling right. He's made some good passes like to Ronnie Bell. I like it. Roman Wilson's a good wide receiver, little guy, but he's dangerous and you know, quick. Um, he's made some good intermediate throws rolling to his right. McCarthy struggles any type of deep ball that I've seen for the most part. Again, Andrew Anthony dropped one that would have been a touchdown this past week. It was a deep ball. So he can do it. He's just very inconsistent. Now, does that mean he's not going to hit a couple deep balls this week? No, he might. But it's not like they haven't tried it and they, they're saving it for Ohio State. They've tried it this year. He's just missed. And they've hit a couple here and there. But for the most part, he's just very inaccurate with the deep ball. And keep in mind, he had off-season surgery on his throwing shoulder. But the zip has been there sometimes on the intermediate balls. But he still can have put some zip on it. But um, just not not accurate with the deep ball. So is it something to worry about? I mean, I think it's a strength. It's a it's one of the things that you would put in Ohio State's favor in this game is Michigan's inability to throw the deep ball. They're a one-dimensional offense. If you can slow down their running game, their entire passing game has been dink and dunk this year to the tight ends and stuff. So we'll see. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident um, that um, that this is not something that Michigan has been saving and they're, they're actually a good downfield passing game. And they're going to break it out in five days. Like, no, they, they're not a, they're a anemic downfield passing attack. They're a running team and a dink and dunk passing team. And then a follow-up question from Fox R 2001 um, about Blake Corum. Harbaugh said the knee was structurally sound, but that it was bothering Corum. What are your thoughts? Do you think Corum will play? Will he be 100%, 80% less? He also adds he saw excerpts of an interview from Corum saying his knee is fine and he would be back, but he didn't say necessarily for the game, just he would be back at some point. All right, so do I think he'll play? Yes. Do I think he'll be 100%? Heck no. I know what I saw, not just the injury itself where it looked really bad and he limped off. I mean, he came back. He did play one more play, but before that, when he was warming up at halftime, he tried to cut and just, again, was limped off and was grimacing and got on the stationary bike. So, as they said, I, I you know, it doesn't seem like it needs surgery, but I think he's going to be limited. 80% might be best-case scenario for Michigan, in my opinion, the way it looked. But I have no doubt he's going to play because it doesn't seem – it's it's – Kind of how I feel about Mayan Williams. I have no doubt Mayan Williams is going to play in this game. Just my opinion. My opinion. His mom didn't say that. She just said nothing's broken. Um, she didn't say he was going to play. But that's the vibe I get, is he's at least going to try to play Mayan. Doesn't mean he's going to be effective. Doesn't mean he carries the ball one time, re-injured out. You never know. But I think Mayan Williams will play. And I think Blake Corum will play. We'll see how effective he is. I mean, that looked, I mean, good for him. Let's be classy here. Good for the young man that it's not a serious knee injury. But I, I, I see that – I know what I saw. I, I think he's going to be at least limited this week. So I think you put it on 80%. I think that's probably best-case scenario for him. I think he's probably going to be, you know, 
to throw a number out there, I don't know, like 70% best case, maybe. Um, I said best case 80. I, if I had to put, I don't know, 65%. I have no idea, but um, definitely not close to 100%. I'd be surprised based on what I saw just a week later if he's going to be close to 100%. But he's a tough kid. It's nothing that needs surgery, it doesn't sound like. So I have no doubt Blake Corum's going to play. We'll see about Donovan Edwards. He didn't, he missed this last game. I don't know if that was just precautionary or if there, there's something that there obviously there's something going on there. Could he have played last week and they just held him out? Maybe. Um, but we'll see. All right. This is from uh, 3296 Woody. One simple question. Can our D line thwart Michigan's offensive line when they want, when all they want to do is man on man and let Corum make his cuts can we stalemate and get pressure? This is a game where McCarthy is going to run as well. We need to obliterate him when he does that. It's from 3296 Woody. Went one simple question, huh? And then they get went a little longer there. I think that might be my, my good friend Tim May in disguise. Just one question. Ten parts. And an hour later, I'm saying this, and, and I love Tim May. I hope you guys know that. I'm not, I'm I'm laughing with him, not at him. I seriously, Tim May is a legend. But it cracks me up and he'll be, all right, one more question. And then we're still sitting there like 10 minutes later. Uh, but it's usually really good questions. So I love Tim May. All right. I just pulled a Tim May there. I just went off on a tangent. All right. Uh, can the D-line thwart Michigan's offensive line, basically? We'll find out, huh? Michigan's got a really good offensive line. They won the Joe Moore Award last year, and I think they're better than they were last year because they only lost one guy off that line. Well, they lost two, but they, their center this year is better than their center last year because he transferred in. And the only guy they lost um, that, that, you know, other than the center who didn't get drafted was Stuber, who was like a seventh-round pick. So they didn't lose much from last year. But um, I'm confident Ohio State's defensive line is going to at least slow and the linebackers and, and the, you know, the safeties are going to slow down this running game. But Michigan's a very good running team. So I still think they're going to get their share of rush yardage. But as long as Ohio State can contain the running game, and Michigan continues to show no ability to throw the ball down the field. Um, and Ohio State can attack, attack, you know, get some three and outs, get at least eight turnover, maybe two, um, get some sacks, tackles for loss. Uh, that's what I expect. I, I, I expect this to be a lot like the 2006 game. Not that high scoring, but what I mean by that is, you know, where Ohio State has control of this game for pretty much the entire way. There's still going to be a lot of nervous moments where they don't pull away but they're in control. Um, I feel like it's going to be a lot like 2006. I know Michigan scored a late touchdown in 2006 and got a two-point conversion to make it look better than it was. But, there, I mean, there were what, various times in that game where Ohio State had a 14-point lead. Then they led by 11 with under two minutes left, and Michigan got that late touchdown to make, kind of make it look good in 2006. But, really, Ohio State had control of that game pretty much the entire way. I expect something similar. But I also don't expect a blowout. You know, I have respect for this Michigan team. But I, I just – Home field advantage to me is huge. The revenge factor is huge with, you know, and, and not just that Michigan won the game last year, but saying things like Ryan Day was born on third base and thinks he had a triple and all the other stuff. First time the game's at, at the horseshoe in four years, it's going to be absolutely insane. So I think, you know, I'm not going to say Ohio State's going to just absolutely shut down Michigan's offensive line in their running game. They're not. But can they contain it? You know, I think they can. I think they can slow it down. And that's what they need to do. Because Ohio State's going to score some points this game. I love the matchup of C.J. Stroud against Michigan's secondary. I do. Michigan's got a solid secondary, but they're not that good. Battling that cold here, so bear with me. NC Bob wants to know, 
if uh, he's basically saying, yeah, he knows Michigan's the highest rated team that Ohio State's faced all year, but he doesn't think they're better than Notre Dame today. I still think Michigan's better than Notre Dame right now. If Michigan and Notre Dame played on a neutral field, I think Michigan would win. I think it'd be close, but I think Michigan would win. All right, Kurt Kevin. Will Knowles come out in a bear defense like Illinois did? If so, who's the nose tackle? Will it be Teron Vincent? I don't know if he'll come out in a bear front, but he might mix some of that in. Um, wouldn't be a bad idea. And who's the nose tackle? Yeah, it probably will be Teron Vincent, but I hope Michael Hall Jr. starts this game alongside Teron Vincent. Nothing against Ty Hamilton. I just think Michael Hall Jr. is the better player. But now there's no time for, for uh, pitch counts, okay? It's the game. Get your two best guys out there and let them play as much as they can. Get some Tyleek Williams in there. I know Ty Hamilton's going to play. They like him. Uh, Jerron Cage will mix him in there. But I want to see a lot of Michael Hall Jr. in this game. And, and maybe they will have some, you know, three D tackles in there together and, you know, a couple of defense events. Play, play, play that bare front. We'll see. Maybe, I, you know, Knowles is going to mix things up. I think he will mix in a little bit of bear. I don't know if he'll start out the game in bear, but he's going to mix up, mix it up a lot, which he loves to do. And they're going to focus on stacking the box and making McCarthy beat them deep. They will. All right, final one here. Long version of the show. Hey, it's the game week, right? Nothing wrong with going long here. All right, just like C.J. Stroud's going to go long many times. All right. Let's hope he goes long and completes like what? Three. He, if he completes three deep balls in this game, I don't think Michigan has a chance. And maybe he'll complete more than that. If he completes three deep balls, woo, look out. All right, last one. Will someone ask Coach Day what he is telling the team about personal foul penalties in a game like this with revenge on the line? He says, controlled rage is effective, but not uncontrolled. Old school 68. Yeah, that has been a problem this year. Ohio State getting some cheap penalties. You know it's going to be chippy this week. So, yeah, I think he is going to talk to his team about that. You cannot be that second guy. Don't even be the first guy. Don't even take a chance. But you can't be that second guy. You know, you you can't get a cheap penalty in this game. You know, do your talking on the field with the, uh, you know, with the way you play. You know, there's going to be some chirping. But you can't you can't take it too far where you're hitting a guy in the head. Um Pushing a guy, you know, where he can do some acting and and get a 15-yard penalty. You got to keep your cool, which is tough in a game like this. Uh, Emotions are going to be running high, but, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of chirping, and that's fine, but you just can't get those penalties. All right, before I lose my voice, I'm going to close the show here. Thank you so much to all of you for joining me. It's going to be a lot of fun this week. I appreciate all of you for joining me. Thanks to all the questions from Bucknut subscribers. Thank you to all of you for tuning into the show. I appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.